Yes, we are assigned. Every LHA is assigned a supervising nurse where anytime your child has something with outside of their normal limits or outside of the normal baseline, you have to report it and they'll go over that with you. And then they just kind of troubleshoot to make sure all bases are covered. So there's definitely a support system there. Welcome to the Unforgotten Families podcast, an action-oriented community of hope, inclusivity, and compassion for all medically fragile families. This podcast was created to spread awareness, share solutions, and advocate for the needs of these resilient individuals. It's our hope that the information and stories we share will inspire and empower you to join us in advocating for these families and help to ensure that they are never forgotten. Hello, Tough Advocates. Thank you for joining episode 19 of the Unforgotten Families podcast. Before we get started, we just want to thank you all for your advocacy. Because of people like you, families' lives are changing. And we are elated to announce that the Family CNA program has officially started in Arizona. Instead of it being called CNA, it is actually called an LHA in Arizona, which is a licensed health aid. This distinguishes a CNA that is a family member from a CNA that is not. And today we are really excited because in this episode, we are going to be speaking with Laura G, who is one of the first parents experiencing the LHA program in Arizona. This is a really exciting time. And Laura, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, Laura, I know that we've been in contact for a while, and I know this has been a really long time coming for you. You are someone that hasn't had nursing for a really long time, and now you are a LHA that is caring for your daughter. And I just want to know, how does it feel initially? I think it feels great. It has been a long time coming. As you said, I've been in contact with Colby, who's I believe he's one of the regional directors of Team Select Home Care. And we've been in contact for a few years, getting updates, seeing what steps need to be taken. And I've kind of been preparing all along. And then when I got the call saying, hey, the Board of Nursing got some scope of service requirements done. Can you come into the office next week? We're going to push it through. And, and I was very much happy to do so. That's amazing. And for someone that hasn't had nursing and you've been doing this care, right, that the state is has to give to your daughter, how does it feel knowing that you're going to actually be, be paid for the service? It definitely helps out my family and their financial constraints. I, I've been fortunate that since I've had children, um, even before Tori was born, I just worked part-time. So I've been fortunate. Then when Tori was born, I stopped working a few months later altogether. But it definitely, even though my husband is always working, he he makes a nice income. It's always difficult on, on one income. Even when we were much younger, I was so thrilled if we had 10 cents left after paying all the bills and buying groceries. I thought we were doing amazing that <laughs> we didn't have to go into. So this will definitely help provide some additional financial freedoms, but also with the way that the economy is going right now. Things are going up in price. Food, grocery, budget has gone up. Gas has gone up. Anything that your children are enrolled in has gone up. Even just accessing some of her um, medical supplies and some of her medical services, some things that she needs are no longer in contract with our insurance, but she needs them. So that's something that we're dealing with right now, and I do have to be out of pocket. So the extra income is definitely beneficial. I, I really appreciate that. But also mentally, 
and emotionally, it's nice that this date acknowledged, hey, we're lacking in this area. What can we do to help fix it? So I think just acknowledging that it has been a problem for a while. Coming up with this as a solution has been amazing. Remind me if we're wrong on this or if I'm wrong on this, but did you used to be a, a social worker? I was. So, okay, I'm going to share my age, but I don't care. I graduated in 2002 with a master's in social work from University of Illinois, Chicago. Then I moved out here and I worked in mental health with the same agency for approximately 12 years. And in 2005, I got my MBA also. So then I went from the clinical side and focused on healthcare management. And But I always did mental health. It's something that I loved. I did fill in clinically when necessary. But in 2013, Tori was born in February and then I resigned in August. It was just too much, even part-time, just trying to figure out what what all was going on and and hospitalizations and getting all our services set up. So I hadn't really worked since then. I've always been interested in working, but it just was not a good fit for my family. Doctor appointments, therapy appointments, we literally have multiple therapists in and out each day on some days. They don't even knock anymore. They just come on in. We're very fortunate to have doctors in her care. We're very fortunate to have therapists in these services for her, but it is definitely a lot to manage during the day. Yeah. And as a someone that used to be a social worker, this is like the kind of thing you used to do for people is support them and with all of the services. So it's probably feels really cool to know that there's someone that's in a role like your old one that now gets to say, hey, do you know about the LHO program? I think it might benefit your family. That's really cool to think about. Like I said, my my husband was always working and we were always able to pay our bills, but we had to be very frugal with our money. We've always been very frugal. We've tucked away for retirement, of course, but then, and we had savings, but we were always very frugal and and it was the need, but we were able to meet the needs of our family and our finances. And that was great. And I'm very, very thankful for that. So I've always been very interested because families in my situation to where you don't qualify for other government programs because you make too much, but then have zero left. I I like this program because it helps release some of the financial constraints and to help people who want things that pop up. Like your insurance no longer covers this or a hospitalization or an emergency. So I really think that it's beneficial for families also who, who aren't able to qualify for additional services. But those families who are able to qualify for additional services, you can still qualify for the LHA. You just need to speak with them about your income earning limits. So that way you can still meet the needs of your family financially and the care of your child. So as someone, it sounds like you've been out of the workforce since almost nine years, since 2013. How does it feel to like be contributing to the family in this way? It, it's definitely nice. It's nice. I, I think my husband, to be honest, has felt the most relief because I'm sure as a single earning family member, it, it I don't I don't know because I haven't been in that situation. I'm not a single parent, but I can understand the the stress that that would place on you. Job. So I, I think that that must be a relief to know like, it's going to be okay if something happened. My son, he he needed new pants. He ripped his pants at church. So he needed new pants. So I'm like, don't worry. We'll just get them. You know what I mean? Instead of saying, okay, we have to wait a week for your dad's check. So so stuff like that. And also we heard lab service draw. Um, they're no, it's so weird. With the insurance, they're no longer a network with either of our insurances, which are very large commercial plans. We have two insurances, one from the state and one from my husband's work. But we, we got a call saying, okay, well, they'll process the blood under the insurance, but they won't pay for the lab drops. I'm like, oh, you're going to get blood out of it to process. So you have to pay like a $50 cash rate to like get the blood out of it. So I'm like, that's silly. So just stuff like that. Instead of having to like, okay, well, we're going to hold it and then pay it off later. It's like, it's okay. We got, we got extra money for the extra things that always pop up. 
So, so right off the bat from just initial, uh, what I'm hearing from you is it's going to help Tori because there's things that her insurance is not allowing her to have. And so with this extra money, you can support her. It's supporting your husband in just a little less stress to be the one family member, you know, taking care of the family financially. It's going to help you out because you get to be back in the workforce and taking care of your daughter. And even like your son gets a benefit and it's also a lower cost to the state than having a nurse, which you are able to decide you want. And I think that's just really awesome to to see all of these different levels of support that it's going to give. And in each child is different. Let me add that. It's based on their medical needs, DDD, long-term care. They have this special formula that they use and they like type in all your children's medical needs. They don't like decide randomly. It's typed into some equation and then it spits out some numbers. So when she got discharged from the hospital last time, it went from 24 hours to 36. So it's just based on different medications, different diagnoses, different medical equipment. So that's how they calculate it. It's not just you have a nice case manager, you know, or a nice nurse case manager. It's, it's a scientific formula. So Tori has 36 hours. They said, do you want all 36 or do you want a nurse to have some of them or how do you want to work it? So say, for example, you do have a nurse and you said, well, I really need the nurse on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because my child, my other child has these things that I need to tend to, or I could work part-time on those days. Then you can still have your skilled nursing on those days. And then you can adapt the rest of the hours yourself for the days that you might not need the additional help and you can do it yourself at home. So that's an option. But another thing too, is a lot of us who have skilled nursing, you also have respite nursing. Respite nursing cannot be provided by you. So Tori has 36 hours of skilled nursing, but then she has a certain allotment of respite nursing for the month, 50 hours, for example. That 50 hours hasn't been touched and it disappears at the end of the month. So I told them, I'll go ahead and take your skilled nursing hours because I don't have anyone providing them anyway. And then the if I need someone and if you find someone, because there is a shortage, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, it's very hard to find nursing now. So if they did find me a nurse for that 50 hours of respite, then I would happily take them on. There's a nursing shortage. The The amount of nurses are less than the amount of families that need the care. And even when there are the nurses aren't getting paid enough by the state to ensure that they can be competitive with like a hospital. Right. And so that's why it's so difficult to, to staff everyone. And I'd love to just go into, cause you know, we're, I think you're one week into the program and I just want to know, like, I asked you how you were feeling about it, but like, just how's it going? They set up the program to, to be user friendly. It's a, it's an app that you use and you log in and your your child's care plan is uploaded and it's specific to your own child to make it user friendly so it's specific to your own child and then they walk you through like a personalized training once you get started and once you finish your certification and you have your license from the board then it's a very personalized training your your nurse supervisor will come in and walk you through the whole thing and and I didn't have any problems once they showed me what to do and I am not technology savvy so it was it was pretty easy I don't find it very labor intensive. You have to, like I said, log in at a certain time, log out at a certain time based on the schedule that you set up. But I just kind of chart at the beginning, like when things are doing, as things are happening. And then when it's time to log out, I just submit it. So I, I feel like it's pretty good. My charting probably takes about 30 minutes. Some children might have more or less intervention. So it kind of depends on what you all have to chart to. But I, I find it user-friendly. 
Can you walk us through maybe not like the whole experience, but for someone that's listening and says, wait, like, I want to know if I'm eligible for this and I want to become an LHA. Can you talk about like the process for you and how long it took and what kind of things you learned in the process? First thing is that they should have skilled nursing approved through DDD long-term care. And there's a difference between respite and there's a difference between have. It is skilled nursing. Okay. You cannot pick up your child's respite nursing. It's the skilled nursing hours. That is the focus of this program. Um, If you are not sure, contact your nursing agency that you work with. There's many ones out there. You're probably already assigned to one if you have nursing hours. So call them and see if you're eligible. So we work with Team Select Home Care through this whole process. We've been with them a few years and we've been very happy with them. So I have worked with them for the LHA program. And I believe that they're the first one to push it through in the state. So that's a plus since they already have a head start. I, I feel like they're definitely on top of things. And they started one in Colorado also. So they're experienced. I, I've been very happy with them. I would recommend just finding out if you do have skilled nursing hours. And if you're not sure, contact your case manager or your nurse case manager, contact the nursing agency, express an interest in there. And then they can just kind of take it from there. With me, they already knew I was interested. So they sent me a checklist of things I need to bring. Like, for example, you need a fingerprint clearance card. So if you're interested, get started now with DPS. <laughs> you need a fingerprint clearance card, CPR, first aid, just things because you're a true employee with the agency. So you need the same requirements that any other employee would. So fingerprint clearance card, CPR, and first aid, but they can help you initiate those also. So if you don't have them, don't worry. But those are things that they require. So they sent me a list of things to bring in. And then I brought them in when they scheduled my orientation. I did the policy and procedures, you know, just like any employee would be. You do get benefits too once you qualify for benefits. Well, with Team Select, I don't know about other agencies. But with Team Select, if you work over a certain amount of hours, you are considered a full-time employee and you're given benefits. After that, we did the clinical training, which was two days. My supervisor was Gigi, and she is lovely. Um, I, I believe I was the first person to go through it, so that was nice. So we discussed the program, and and it's a really great program, very informative. Um, so, and then we did a test at the end and a skills, a little skills assessment, and then a little written test at the end, which they submit to the board with some other things like your certificate. And then someone from operations, her name is Laura. Also, she went with me and we did all the uploading for the board of nursing website. So they kind of take you step by step and it took about two weeks. And then once the board processed everything, the license was approved and they came out to do the plan of care for my child, which is, you know, the clinical assessment of your child. And then they got the computer program ready specific to her. And then I did my training. Wow. And how long, I know you said two weeks, but I know you also aren't working before this. So for someone that is working and would be trying to balance the two, how many hours do you think it took you? I would say with Team Select, that's the only reference that I have. I was probably there um, two days, maybe like there are certain requirements. I think your clinical training has to be a certain amount of hours like 10 hours and you have a certain amount of training hours that are like required and I know that we had to meet that requirements we did as part of the certificate but it was definitely two full days like two full full days of the clinical requirements and the training but but they were very flexible with my needs because I had told them you know the only other caregiver for Tori is my husband he needs to take time off work on certain days so we had to plan and prep for that so they are flexible because they understand that you are your child's caregiver. So 
we got to make it work. So, so they were great. Another thing that I found amazing was they're very understanding. For example, on my lunch break, I got a call from the home health company saying there's a formula shortage. I don't know how much everyone knows about that. I'm sure if you have a child who receives formula, you know that. So Tori's on a very special formula, an amino acid-based formula. And I got a call saying, sorry, they're all out of stock. And and the substitute that we had, because the doctor has to approve a suitable substitute, that's out of stock too. And I said, we were expecting it for delivery yesterday. And so she's going to run out of, of food and it was coming on the weekend. So we had to troubleshoot with the dietitian and I was going back and forth with Phoenix Children's. And so I had told my supervisor, my clinical supervisor, hey, just so you know, here's what's going on in case I get a phone call. I'm so, 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 so sorry, but I need to take it. So I literally spent like the whole training with my phone on hold on the corner of the table. And then when somebody would come on, she'd pause and let me take it because you got to feed your kid. So that's a perfect example. I could not work any other job that would understand and allow you to do that. I understand. I mean, I, I always say I don't understand and I won't understand, but I can understand. I can understand, but I will never know. I would be fired from the most basic job in the world. I would be fired so quickly, but I need to do it. My child's most important. I mean, it's like you're basically doing a, a small logistics medical uh for your child and I, I think what you're trying to say is it's nice now you have like an agency and like a a head nurse that you that delegates you tasks and now you have more of a group of people that can take some of that burden off of you where it used to just be you right and so i think that's that's kind of awesome as well Yes, we are assigned, every LHA is assigned a supervising nurse where anytime your child has something with outside of their normal limits or outside of the normal baseline, you have to report it and they'll go over that with you. And then they just kind of troubleshoot to make sure all bases are covered. So there's definitely a support system there. So I know that you've been caring for Tori for a very long time and that you obviously know her care best because we all know that parents know best. Was there anything that you learned from the LHA program that you didn't know before? One of the skills things that I always found very helpful was learning how to like make an occupied bed because your child might have an accident in the night, but they're already hooked up to their machinery and they're already on their feeding tube and it would be hard to take them in and out. So just learning how to make an occupied bed if you have to change the linens when your child is in there, that is the most handy skill Ever. I, I've used that many, many times since then. So just stuff like that, the most handful practical things. In regards to just knowledge, I learned about how insurance works, policy requirements, and, and just how the system works and, and how to function with, within the system. I found that that was nice to have an understanding because things just aren't totally black and white. You know, these agencies have to meet the requirements and just learning how the, how things are processed is very interesting. Yeah. And, and for someone that has been a social worker and has cared for your daughter, Tori, for so long, and now you've done this program for a week, what comes up for you as ways this is going to benefit other families? Like what other things come up for you as like how this is going to help the community? One thing before it even became a real program, when I first heard about it two years ago, 
I thought, my goodness, that is amazing because it will help break the poverty cycle. And this can be any stressor within a family. It could be caring for an elderly parent. It could be um, any type of psychosocial stressor at all that can happen to your family. Um, So it can just be any type of impact. But for example, with this, say a parent can't work or they are a single parent, which would be so hard. Um, be a single parent caring for a child who's medically fragile. And then you go on social security disability, for example, and you go on these government programs, you're kind of locked in to your income, which is okay, but it is hard. You have to be very frugal. And I couldn't imagine because they have some financial constraints there. But then this, for example, would give you the opportunity to where you can take as many hours as, as you want. You might have a nurse that you want to keep for some hours, but you're able to to work even, you know, having this social security disability to help boost your, your income. You'll just have to speak with them about how much you're able to earn. So you're able to earn some extra income, um, get that extra support, and then just kind of help break the poverty cycle. And I heard I believe it was on one of the news programs that it's reduced hospitalization among the children also that studies have shown that. And I found that very interesting and it's probably due to the consistency of care as opposed to having multiple nurses um, puzzle piece to fit your child's needs. There's that continuity of care, less chance for error, um, better communication. The parents are the driving force in their child's health care. So they definitely know the best and they're, great at communicating with doctors, noticing when something is outside of a baseline. I, I found that an interesting fact. It's funny because it, what really stands out to me through all of it is like, even if all it does is lower the level of stress on someone that's like what you were talking about, a single mother, it's like, think about trying to manage a job with all the care that you're doing, trying to have people come in and out of your house that are, it's like a revolving door. It's just the idea that a parent that's already dealing and we all deal with this stuff, right? Like we all have stressors, but the level of stress for someone with a medically fragile child. And then you say like a single mom, just knowing that the level of stress is, has been lowered is so supportive to them and also the child, because the child's going to get even better care when their parent can be present and fully there with them. Yes. It's hard as any parent, because I've been a parent even before I had a medically fragile child. And I always feel like it's very frantic coming home from work and then just imagining walking in. Okay, I had a a, a MRI myself today. I walked in, even though it was my husband who knows my child very well, just walking back into the house and saying, okay, what happened? What's over here? What happened over here? Just trying to, and I was gone for like two hours. And I was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine doing this every day after being gone for eight hours, trying to get the rundown. But it's me, I'm very particular and I like to know what's going on with my with my kid and and I think that that's so important so I know that nothing is missed and and I know that most parents are like that one thing I wanted to add that I found very interesting and I thought this was a great idea there's one mom who I heard through the rumor mill but I thought this was genius she works 12-hour shifts in healthcare, which is great and so much work and they have a nurse so that nurse is able to help provide coverage on those days but then on the other days that she has off, she's able to do that LHA program to supplement her income because the nurse isn't able to work on those days where she would work at her other job. So that way she is able to recoup her income by doing it at home with her own child. So, and she's a single mom. So, and, and I've heard that in three different cases, there's a mom who's able to work on Saturday and Sunday 
when the grandparents are able to help watch because they're not working, she's able to do the LHA program during the week. Wow. These moms are trying so hard to work and do what they can. And then there was one more mom who was able to work a few hours each night before like her mom went into work. And so she would work like at a bakery for literally from like three or four hours a day. And and that was her work that she was able to do when her mom could watch her kid. And now she's able to help supplement her income. So they're still able to keep their jobs if they choose to, of course. It just definitely helped with the skilled nursing hours. And they did not have nursing. And, And one thing that I want to point out, too, is even if you did have nursing, there are some families who are blessed to have amazing nurses who come there Monday through Friday for 40 hours a week, including travel time, so you can work a typical job. But but that's rare. I, I personally know of a few cases where they've had nurses for, for a long time who've been able to do that. We've had nurses who are lovely and wonderful, but they also have their own families. So they would be able to come after they drop off their child and have to leave to go pick up their child after school. But, but they're lovely people, but they have their own lives too. They weren't able to, like, that's the reason why they probably weren't working shift jobs at a hospital is because they weren't able to commit to 12 hours at a time. I, I find that interesting because even they can't do it. So it would be hard for the parents to do it. What would you say to someone that's listening to this that's in Arizona, a parent? What would you want to say to them? I want to say just check it out. Even if you have a job um, and even if you have a nurse, if you need to help supplement your income or even if you get some government assistance programs, I would still check it out because you may still qualify if you are granted skilled nursing hours. You might still qualify because... There's different formulations. You don't have to take all the hours. You can still use them for nursing. I don't want to say how much you get paid because it might vary on each agency, but they'll help you figure out if it would be in your best interest to do that at this time, especially if you're struggling financially, um, if you do not have nursing available, or even if you just need to supplement some of your nursing hours with the care that you're providing in your home anyway for your child. So I would definitely say, Call the nursing agency that you're on board with. I did. Mine has been great on giving me all the information, finding how it best fits our needs. Team Select has been amazing at implementing this program. So I'm I'm very, very thankful for them. So reach your case manager or your nursing agency. I I don't know how much case managers know at this point because it's just being rolled out, but they should be able to get you some information. Yes. And you can always hit us up at the Unforgotten Families as well. What would you say to a parent that's in another state that does not have this program? There are different advocacy groups that are trying to promote this. I believe Unforgotten Families was instrumental. That's how I found out about you guys, because there was different things circulating, getting petitions, getting stories, just helping get this bill passed and showing how it could impact Arizona families. So I would definitely contact different advocacy groups. Team Select, for example, has nursing agencies in different states. Maybe reach out to them, see if anything is in the works. But even before that was a thing, the different groups like Forgotten Families was definitely out there pushing for it, gathering data, contacting legislators. So, I mean, contact Garrett, please, in the right direction. Yes, you can contact us. Absolutely. What does one question that we always ask our guests is what does advocacy mean to you? Well, personally, it means advocating for my child's needs. It's kind of on three different levels. 
Okay, so advocacy for Tori is keeping her happy and comfortable and getting her needs met, whether that be um, medication or services. It is getting her what she needs to be happy and comfortable. And then from a family standpoint, it is doing that while keeping my family in a safe and comfortable situation. You don't want your family to have to go bankrupt and become destitute because your child needs a medication. That should not happen. That should not happen at all. That is not acceptable. But it does happen quite a bit in the United States. There's been times when we had to pay um, out of pocket for formula, a specialty formula before she had the proper diagnostics to get it covered from our commercial health plan. She wasn't involved with long-term care yet. Then we weren't able to pay our mortgage. So I had to ask my mom. And that was many, many years ago. But that should not happen. That should not be okay. What if someone doesn't have a mom to ask them for that amount of money? That is not okay. So making sure Tori is happy and comfortable and has everything she needs to live out her best potential and just be the happy, sweet child she is. Advocating for my family so their needs are met. And also being able to be present for my family. Because this is not for the weak of heart. You know, when you are dealing with a medically complex child, I do not want to be stretched thin. I like it that I'm home and able to dedicate my time and my energy to my family. I like that. I couldn't imagine the stress of doing it other ways. We don't have um, extended family to provide support. So it's it's definitely beneficial that I'm able to stay home. And then on a community level, advocacy is, is definitely a helping advocate for families who are in similar situations. And everyone's situation is very different. But a few things that we keep in common is that we all want what's best for our family. We all want what is best for our child. And we need a safe and sane way to make that possible. And, and I think the LHA program is, is a great fit. And these services that we were granted from the state, they were going to waste anyway because of the shortage. So I believe that this is a nice compromise to allow that to happen. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think it's I think it's just important. It seems like from what you're sharing is that it's just an empowering opportunity for you to decide if you would like to do this or not. And if you would like to do half nursing, half of this, it just sounds like it gives you more of like a Swiss army knife approach to this opportunity instead of just, I'm not going to work because there's no nurses and I'm just going to stay at home. That's one of my favorite things about it. My last question for you is what are the biggest lessons that you've learned from Tori? I've definitely learned to appreciate the small stuff. When you have a day that is calm and peaceful and a good day where people are smiling, that is definitely something that I've learned to appreciate the, the small stuff. Um, I have learned to be grateful, grateful for what we have. I've been very fortunate with my family life as, as much as we've had our moments of struggles and stress. I am very grateful for my family. Definitely a sense of gratitude. I, I don't know how to express it. I think you've only had to be in a horrible situation to know what, what a certain amount of gratitude feels like. I know that the families who are listening definitely know what I'm talking about, but you just have this definitely sense of gratitude. Like you put up your Christmas tree and everyone is happy and you're putting up a very small, simple Christmas tree. And it's like the best feeling in the world. And I don't know how to describe that or why, but, but it's a, it's amazing. I've definitely learned to appreciate things. I've learned flexibility. You can plan your day. I always plan my day. I write it out the night before and how everything is going to line up literally by every 15 minutes. And I have learned that it never works out that way. So you just keep on trucking and, and be flexible. I've learned to be flexible. I've learned to be very organized. 
I learned to be meticulous and I learned to be happy. I love all of those things. I hope I get to meet Tori one day. I hope so too. I guess the last thing that I would say is you're here with us um, and you're on this episode and I just want to give you one last space if there's anything else you'd like to share while we're together. No, I appreciate all the work that Unforgotten Families has done in making this bill pass. I know that it was years in the works and you guys have worked diligently. Um, We've been in contact for probably a year or two and you've been definitely pushing this forward, gathering data. I think it's it's amazing what you guys do for the families. I've watched your videos and, and they're very touching and you present in such a lovely, respectful, compassionate way. I, I love your organization and you, you have done a lot for um, families. Thank you. It means a lot to hear that from you. Well, we appreciate you and we appreciate everyone for listening And for anyone that wants to know more about this, you can reach out to us at theunforgottenfamilies.com. And I just want to say thank you again, Laura. We appreciate you and we're rooting for you and we're so excited. And um, we look forward to seeing how this unfolds for you and your family. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Hello, Tough Advocates. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unforgotten Families podcast. If you want to know more about the LHA program in Arizona, please reach out to us and become an advocate on our website, www.theunforgottenfamilies.com. There is a Become an Advocate link on the upper right-hand corner of our website, and that will keep you in the loop, and it will allow you to take action in your state. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being tough advocates, and we will see you on the next episode.